0: Oh man, it's great to be back here with all of you this morning. Where Today is my favorite day of the week. It is Sunday. What does that mean, church? It is absolutely our fun day. It's fun because we gather together as his children, as his church, to sing his praises and celebrate how he is changing lives on a daily. I believe Jesus changes everything, and that's why we proclaim him all the time. By the way, if you are new with us this morning, welcome, man. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here. If you haven't figured it out, we're all about Jesus. I just think we said Jesus, what, like 50, 60, 70 times, right? We're all about Jesus in this place. We, I pray that you, when you walk out the door, how much you know, you're loved by God, that he gave his son so you can have life by surrendering your life to him. It's all about Jesus. Church, open your Bibles or your Bible apps. So we're going to get into it this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter six. We're starting at verse seventeen this morning. Your Bible, your Bible, it's whatever you're using to read God's word. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page eight thirteen. Eight thirteen. This morning we continue a our series called "How to Be Rich." Now, to be very clear, this, this all these conversations, the series of conversations, have nothing to do with me, but everything to do with Jesus. Everything to do with Jesus. Maybe that right there, some of you are thinking, how does this tie this to? How does it connect to being rich and, and talking about Jesus? And I think the reason is, is because uh, we have grown up in this world where the getting rich has been the mantra. We, we grew up in this country, in this world, where getting rich was what we were told to do, became the backbone of our nation about getting rich, getting rich. So being rich is not in the mindset, but getting rich is. And I assured last week that there's a difference between the two. There's a difference between getting rich and being rich. There's actually a life difference between the two. And if I and if I'm gonna stop right here, if we walk in through this series and I assured last week that no one really likes talking about money. No one likes coming to church and talking about finances and wondering why we have these conversations. But the truth is, friends, this series is for every single one of us in this room. Every single one of us should have an understanding what God calls us to do when it comes to finances and money. So if you're a student, you're a youth, you're a college student, you're in high school, whatever grade you may be in, this is for you too. Don't turn this out. Because the reality is, if someone told me what I'm telling you today, some of the things in my life when it comes to finances would be radically different. Because no one told me I've had to figure out the hard way. And I want to open up the word of God and have a conversation with you to show you what God has called you, how he blesses you when you honor him with what he gives you. In fact, if you're in here in this room this morning, you're next with your parents or anything like that, you, your parents could tell you adulting is tough. And so if we figure out now at your young age how to live, live a life that honors God with your finances, it will radically change what you're doing in the future you know, getting rich, getting rich and being rich, i sure there's, just, there's a, a life difference between the two. Getting rich is the desire that is fueled by the brokenness and the, consum- and the corruption of the culture that we live in, that we're surrounded in, that we've been raised in. You know, right now in our nation, there is this unhealthy culture about money. And it's all driven about this thing called the almighty dollar. Listen, friends, there's a reason why the get-rich industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. There's a reason why, because they promise you great wealth. Buy this book, subscribe to this podcast, jump into this website, jump into this pyramid scheme, and you will be rich. You will make all this money. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And I think if, if we think about this, we all know someone or someones who has chased this life. They wanted to get rich. Or maybe some of us in this room have had a season of our own lives where we chase how to get rich. And the reality is the get rich life leaves us feeling empty. It leaves us feeling unsatisfied, wanting more, discontent, and it's driven by anxiety. But being rich is a different, completely different perspective. And this all ties back to the core value that we talked about last week, and it's this. We give because he gave. We give because he gave. Say that with me. We give. We give. Let's break this down. We give. This is the posture of our hearts, the posture of our lives. This is us surrendering an area of our lives that many of us try to have the most control over because we don't want anybody to step in. We We want to do what we want to do. It's an understanding that we're giving because we're giving back to God of an obedience to Scripture. And what God has given us, he's called us to give it back to him. It's honoring him for what he has blessed us with. We give. And then comes the second part is because he gave. Friends, this is the why. This is about why behind we give. This is the why we do what we do. The why behind our offering. The why behind our gift. The why behind our obedience. We give because He gave. When we live out our "why, lives are changed. We live out our why. This is one of our core values. When we live this out, lives are changed. Families are changed. marriages are healed. You know All these things start to change in our lives. And it's just like the other core values we walked through in that last series. When we choose not to live this one out, the gospel is minimized. Unless people are reached with the message of hope of Jesus Christ. So, last week, to get into this, we started off this series challenging our perspective about money or giving. Understand and knowing that when our perspective is wrong, what we're chasing after will be wrong too. You know what I'm saying? And if our perspective is wrong, if we're supposed to be thinking this way according to God's word, and we have this perspective, we're going to go this direction, and that does not bring God honor or glory, or takes us in a place that you and I never want to be. And so on this past week, I asked you as a church to, uh, to memorize one verse. Anybody know what the verse is? They right were here last week, do you want to shout out, the, what's that verse? Psalm 23.1, because they want to say it out loud without, don't look at, don't show the screen yet. Let's see if we've got it memorized. What is it? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack Say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack everything. Awesome. Let's throw it on the screen. Those of you who are not with us, this is the verse that I challenge us to, to, to memorize and to walk through on a daily basis. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Friends, that is eight words. Eight words that convict and challenge and to change our perspective. In a heartbeat. And if we go through life, if we believe this verse is true, let me just ask you, church, do you believe this verse is true? Do you believe this verse is true? That if you believe this verse is true, that the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing that directly impacts the pesos in your pockets. Come on. Eight words The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, and when we start to see, or we start to feel that our hope is migrating, we talked about last week. We're shifting our focus off of Jesus to what we have or what we don't have. Thy channel say, proclaim this. When your feet hit the ground every single day this past week, I said, proclaim this. Say this out loud. Why? Because a shepherd provides everything his sheep needs. And our God provides us everything that we need. Amen? So where do we go from here? Now we're being challenging perspectives. Where do we go from here? What's our next step? What does it look like? You know, how do we keep on moving forward so our hope doesn't shift onto our wealth, doesn't shift onto our possessions, but stays where it needs to be? And I shared last week, it starts with feeling rich. You know, reason we usually want to move forward, we want to get rich, is because sometimes we don't feel rich. Look at these couple of verses where they're right there. in First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen. Look what it says on the screen. He says, "Command those who are rich in this present world do not be arrogant or put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides." Provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let's stop right there. This is where we left off last week. Paul telling the church, Paul telling the church that their hope, our hope, cannot be on what we have or what we don't have. Our hope needs to sit on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Sit with Jesus. He is our living hope. But then he continues this morning. We continue on. It says in verse 18, Command them, who? Command the rich, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, in this way they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take a hold of a life that is truly life. See, Paul starts this whole thing off, challenges the rich not to be arrogant. Now he's telling them what to do, what they've been blessed with. Doing good. Being rich in good deeds, being generous, and sharing all this ties together with an overarching thought of the heart of someone who's truly following Jesus. Don't do this. Don't be arrogant. It's not about all these things, but live this way out with what you have been blessed with. See, sometimes I think we forget that Paul wrote letters to churches on purpose. He wrote letters, in fact, the third of our New Testament was written by Paul, and he's writing a whole bunch of churches, and he's addressing specific problems that were taking place. He was addressing, this is like, Ray, this is who you are in Jesus, and this is how Jesus has called you to live. And what was happening in these letters, he was being notified that the the people of Christ were, were drifting in their walk with Jesus. And he said, okay, don't do this, do this. And one of the areas that people were drifting is how to handle their finances in a way that honors God. Paul was talking to the first century church, but he's also talking to the 21st century church. As I shared last week, he is not just talking to them, he is talking to us. If you missed last week, I said, congratulations, you are rich. So he's talking to you. He is talking to me. We just don't feel rich, but we are. See, I shared last week that if you're making thirty-two thousand four hundred dollars a year, you're in the top one percent of wage earners in the world. You are rich. But we just don't feel rich. And I believe that has everything to do where we live. It has everything to do with you and I being raised in this country, growing up in this country, and living in this country, because everything to do with where we live. Any guesses, any guesses what is the top one percent, what you'd have to make to be in top one percent of our country? Six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. $650,000 a year, if you make that, you're in a top 1% wage earners in our nation. That is cray-cray. That is more than 20 times than the world. You can't tell me that it has nothing to do with where we live. We look at that number and think, yeah, if I made $650,000 a year, my life would be set. I could get what I want, do what I want to do, and no one have to worry about me at all. But the reality is that many of us may never get there. And because that's what we look to, that's because what we think we want, we chase a life looking just like we live it. Like, oh, I may not make that, but I'm sure I'm going to try to live in a way that looks like I do. And we get in into problem. If we ever want to be rich, friends, doing good deeds, giving and sharing generously that God has called us to be and to do. If we want to feel rich, friends, we need to put ourselves in a position for it to happen. It's not following the cultural current that you and I are dealing with on a daily basis. It's not buying what the society is saying about what you need to have to look successful, what you need to have to be happy. It's not buying an ending to that. It's deciding to see what God says and choosing to follow him. Now it's happening in the world. You with me on that? It's choosing not to chase emptiness, but choosing the cause of Christ with our whole life. And that includes our finances. The cultural current. Has anybody ever been in a river? Show me by your hand. You've been in a river. Have you ever been in a river where the current has taken you? Yes? Yeah, growing up, Growing up, as was a little boy, my, we grew up in upstate New York, and my, I had an uncle who lived right on the Hudson River, many miles up from the city, so it wasn't as nasty as it is downtown, down in the city. But we used to go out and play in the river, and we were always told as kids, do not go out in the river in high tide. Do not go in high tide, because as a kid, you go out in high tide, you're going to get taken down the road. You know, so me... Um, just like, you know me, I'm not going to, I didn't obey my parents. I've already shared all this stuff. I'd go out in the river during high tide. I'm like, what's so bad about being out here? And I would pick up my legs. And next thing you know, I'm 200 feet down the river, 300 feet down the river, 400 feet down the river. And I'm starting to panic, right? That's what it's like in life. When we buy into the cultural current that's happening in our nation when it comes to finances and money and what we do with all that, we might as well just pick up our feet and just go right along. And I guarantee you'll be in a place that you never wanted to be. We can't do that. Because here's the simple thing. It's not what we have. The world tells you it's all about what you have and what you need to have. It's not what we have. It's what we do with what we have that is what matters to God Do you catch me on that listen listen we're not all called to be rich I am because that's my name we're not all called to be rich but we're all called to be rich in good deeds and be generous with what God has blessed us with you hear that so how do we get there how do you and I, how do you and I get there? How do we, how do we build that perspective? How do we start living generously? And I think it has to do with one word. Do me a favor, write this word down. It's margin. Margin. Margin is a space between what is available and what is needed. That is margin. This is what's available, and here's what's needed, and the space between is considered margin. Now, if we're honest... Many of us in this room lack margin in life in many different areas. And the first one I think of it, when it comes to lack of margin is simply time. Many of us go through and we are just chasing after our, our calendars and our schedules, man. We are all over the place. Sometimes we don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't know where we're going to be in the afternoon. We have no idea because we have all this stuff going on. And we, we just like, oh my word. I have no downtime. I have no free time. In fact, over the years, I have seen what some moms have done with the family calendars, and I start thinking that they should be running our country. For reals. (laughs) Moms, what you do with that family calendar is crazy. You are like time ninjas. You know what I'm saying? Because we live in a world where busy is what it's at. Schedule one more thing. Be a part of this next thing. If we're, missing, if we're not there, we're missing out. By the way, being busy is being under Satan's yoke. You can write that down. I know I've shared it in the past. If people think that is the way to a great life. And when we chase after busy, we are choking out the margin of rest. Well, the next one, there's another area that our culture comes crashing down when it comes to margin. Anybody want to guess what it is? Just throw it out there. What is it? What are we talking about? Money. Money. Not only do we constantly overschedule on the daily, but we also overspend on the daily. We do this to keep up to be like other, other people. We do this to be like our neighbors. We do this because we feel like we need to have those things that we don't have. And we, when we start spending and spending and spending, we are crushing the margin in our lives. if we desire to be rich in good deeds, if you and I, followers of Jesus, desire to be living generously, then man, we have to learn how to build that margin back in our lives. Because here's the harsh reality. If we don't have margin, then we won't give or live generously. We won't. We will always feel the financial squeeze. We will always try to be fighting to figure out who gets what when. I mean, and figure out who we're going to cut out from it. And let me just tell you when it comes to this, as followers of Jesus, and we're feeling the financial squeeze, guess who gets cut out first? Jesus. Well, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give next week, I'll give, I'll give when I have some more. I'll give, I, I, we do it all the time. He's the first one to get out. The one who gave his everything so you and I can have eternal life to be with him forever and ever and amen, he's the first one to gets kicked out of our budget. We don't have margin. In fact, we become living examples of what it means to rob Peter to pay Paul. Has anybody heard that phrase before? Show me. Raise your hand. Show me that. You know, we think that might be a church phrase, but it's not. I hear it all over the place in the world, and I think it makes me chuckle when I hear it. Do they even know who they're talking about? <laughs> they don't know who they're talking about, do you? But here's the thing. When I hear that phrase, it reminded me of that all that we have belongs to God. All that we have belongs to God. We need to not be living examples. We need to learn how to build margin back in our lives so we can be who God calls us to be as his followers, as his children, to be rich in good deeds, to share generously what he has blessed us with. So what I'm gonna do in the last few minutes we have together, I'm gonna to walk us through three steps, three simple steps of you and I building margin back in our lives. You with me? Three steps. Step number one. Three step number one is attack your debt. Attack your debt. Our first step of building true margin in our lives is to stop and face the music where we are right now when it comes to our debt in our lives and start building a plan to get out of it. Think about it right now. As you're sitting here, listen to me say this. What is the debt load in your life? What is the debt load in your life? What is hanging over you that, you, that you're in debt to someone else? Debt is simply living outside of our means. Now, I'm not going to get into the idea of what good debt is and bad debt is because truthfully, where we get trapped is bad debt. You know, you know Americans right now, Americans, are $17.1 trillion in debt. Now, I'm not talking about America. I'm not talking about that, that number that keeps on going up, and I watched it this morning. I was going, oh, boy, we're all going to die. It's just on going and going and going. I'm talking about you, me, Americans. Right now, we are $17.1 trillion in debt. $1 trillion of that is credit cards. Zing, zing. Oh, just slide it. Slip it in there. Tap it. Put it on your, put it on your iPhone. Tap it. Apple Pay. Bing, bing, bing. So easy. Get in debt. Woo! Life is great. One trillion credit cards. Another really big one that we walk through is auto loans. So many people who are walking in this life with, they have a, a debt of auto loans that can almost not pay for They have a car that is outside of their means. And and worse than that, we talked about last week, that we rich people like to upgrade, so we upgrade. And we upgrade it, and we trade in this vehicle, and we don't get for what we actually owe for it, so we get this new vehicle with a new loan, and then we have this old debt that we put on top of it, Next thing you know, we're completely upside down. That's bad debt. That's part of what we're walking through. Friends, when we open up this book, and we dig in and start having a conversation with God, church, you say it. Okay, four people. Great job. Church. When you read your Bibles and you try to understand what God says about money and finances and debt, your eyes will be open. In fact, if you, look, if you look down at Proverbs 22, verse 7, it's all through the book of Proverbs. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a slave to anyone except for Jesus Christ and his kingdom purposes. You know what I'm saying? But, when we go in debt, we are, we are extending the power to the person who is above us, who we owe. Last year, I was out at a restaurant. I met a gentleman uh, where him and his wife were working, and he was telling me that they, were, they had both worked two jobs. They worked two jobs to pay for their home. They, the home that they needed to have. The home that, like, make them look like the Joneses. It was in a, in a beautiful neighborhood. This is the way it needs to be. They were paying for a home they were never in. Two jobs. That's a clear example of what it means to work for the bank for something you think you need to have but we can't afford. Let me just ask you, is that what you want for your life? Is that what you want for your life? Do you want to be walking through always trying to figure out being in debt? Oh my word, how am I going to of this How am I going to make this payment? How is Is that what you want? Let me just ask you, is that what God wants for you? Do you think God wants you soaking in debt, drowning in debt, falling, and and I don't know how to get out of this? Do you think God wants that for you? Absolutely not. Then why do we go there? Because of where we live and how we've been raised and what we believe to be true out there is not true in this word. Friends, being in debt is a present problem built on past decisions. Attacking our debt is making present decisions that deal with past problems. We need to have a plan of attack. And I mean attack. If you want to build margin, you have to attack. Let me give you a practical example. Our building. I love this church. This is an amazing building. We're five years in. God is doing some amazing things. Lives have been changed. Families have been stored. Addictions have been broken. We love what God is doing here. But friends, this building came with a debt. It came with a pretty big debt. And let me just tell you, honestly, the... The elders and myself, we've been praying and walking through and looking for ways for us to get out of debt. I shared last November in our vertical celebration, the goal is for us to be debt-free within 10 years. Why? Because the debt is slowing us down. What we pay for our mortgage for the entire year would support another campus and another community and reach more people for Jesus Christ. More lives would be changed. More marriages would be saved. People coming out of addiction. We can be in a completely different community. Could you imagine that? So as I'm sitting here talking with you about this personally, you need to understand what it means to us organizationally. We want this for us as a ministry, and we want this for you and your lives. It's not just pointing fingers. We're working at it together. Together. It's not just a personal goal, it's an organizational goal. Because we believe in making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And how we make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, we go into another community, plan another campus, and transform it with the gospel. Right? Well, it's the same with you. When, when you line your lives how God calls us to live financially, when you're able to start building margin and you're able to be able to share and give generously, you are making a difference. Dre said that this morning, Pastor Dre. When you give, you're impacting the kingdom. It's not about lights. It's about reaching people for Jesus and turning that light on. We give because he gave. So do you have a plan? Dave Ramsey says, you you can wander into debt, but you can't wander out. And if this is you this morning and you are trying to figure this out, every year we run what we call Financial Peace University. It's an opportunity for you to step in and see what God lays out about finances and how to live and how to build margin and financial freedom. Um, next week, we'll have a sign up, jump into that. Uh, but we need to have a way to attack our debt. Attack our debt, step one. Step two, live within your means. Live within your means. Man, it's not rocket science, is it? Live within your means. We are so tempted to spend more than we make every day. All day long, whether in social media, commercials, billboards, we are bombarded with the burden to spend money that we don't have on things we don't absolutely absolutely need, or we feel like we absolutely need. Good example is this. Anybody been in a grocery store lately to pick up some groceries? I hope so. You need food. What are those things called as you go through the checkout lines? They're sitting right in front of the checkout lines. You know what they're called? Impulse racks. Impulse racks, right? Because they believe when you walk through there, you're going to see these things that you absolutely need to have. Oh, man, I need an extra lighter. he needs an extra iPhone cord. And they put the candy right there at the kids' level, like, Mommy, ching, 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 ching. And next thing you know, you're throwing to throw about another 50 or $100, $200 in your car because you're impulsively buying all this junk that you just have to have because it's There. You know why they put it out there? You know it's why there? It's every single store. Because it works. They're preying on your lack of willpower. Spend your money. Spend your money. Raise your grocery bill. Go in debt. Swipe your credit card. They don't care. You know what would happen if we stopped spending and buying and stopped buying all those things? They'd probably go away, and they try to find another new way to entice you to spend money that you didn't plan. I just saw someone put on the other day and say his first service. They say they said I saved two hundred and thirty-seven dollars and fifty-three cents at Costco by not going. (laughs) I'm like, Amen, Amen. Living within our means, friends, is living within a budget. A budget crafts what we do, what we have coming in our home, what we have coming in, and what we're responsible for what's going out. And let me just tell you, if you have more going out than you have you coming in, you are not living within your means. You are accruing debt. So I want to suggest a really simple budget plan, a spending plan. You can say it that way. Uh, you can work with. It's called a ten ten eighty life. A 10, 10, 80 life. It's taking our income that we have coming into our home and breaking down to three different categories. Three categories are actually percentages of the income brought into the house that we are planning to have a spending plan for. There are other greater plans out there. This is just a very, very simple one that we have used for years. The first 10% is 10% of your income is giving. Giving. Giving back to God. We're talking about this series. We give because He gave. And I understand that giving is a faith moment for some. The reason it's 10% because it ties back to this Old Testament term called tithing. We're going to get into more of this next week. But God's people were called to give back a tenth of what they were making from their fields or crops, their, their cattle, whatever it was. He said bring your whole tithe, your whole 10% back to God and so they can continue, God can continue ministering to the people around them. That was in the Old Testament. But as we walk through this, I think we forget, um, we forget that everything in life is under the umbrella of God's authority. Everything in life is under the umbrella of his authority. And that includes our finances. God says in his word that as we are worshiping him is not just about singing his praises and learning about him, but we are called to worship him by giving back to him. Friends, everything we have belongs to him anyways. He's just blessed in our lives as temporary stewards to manage it. And all he asks is for us to give a portion back to him, to his church, so it can he continue to change people's lives. 10%. The first 10% is giving. Remember, this is a command by God, right? Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and sharing. We are called by God to give back. Second 10%. One is giving. Second 10% is savings. Savings. This is you and I actually walking through and planning and storing up for the future. If you read through the book of Proverbs, you see multiple times the the power and the mindset of, of God's talking about the power and mindset of an ant. If I see an ant, I want to step on it. That should be real. Right? You see an ant, you go to your house, you slap it, you step on it, or you run and have your kids take care of it. I don't know what you do. But normally you want to kill the thing. But the reality is, God's very clear about the power and the mindset of an ant. Because they store for the future. And when we store for the future, it brings security into our lives. It brings peace into our lives. We're building margin in our lives because if we have things stored for the future, when things happen, we're not swiping a credit card. We're not going in debt. We actually have money to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? kind of works all together. Proverbs 21 verse 20 in the Living Bible Translation says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I love the, the, new, the, the good news translation of the second part where it says stupid people spend all their money as fast as they get it. I just want to say stupid, I'm sorry. But it's real. When you have it coming in, we're giving back to God and we have a spending plan of spending it back into the savings account because we're preparing for our future. Last percent. 80, 10, 10, 80. It says 80% is what we live on. We are are giving, we are saving, and now we are living. This 80% is everything else in our lives. Our food, our monthly bills, our rent, our mortgage, family outings, date nights with our wives, husband, date your wives, can I just throw that out there, buying clothing for our kids, school supplies, all that kind of stuff. 80%, that's what we choose to live off of. Now, I have shared before that we have used this spending plan in our home for years and has radically changed how we can honor God with what He has blessed us with. I didn't grow up in the church. I already shared that no one told me anything about this. I had a life of 28 years figuring out that I can do whatever you want. In fact, I didn't share this first service. In fact, I once got a credit card and started using it and didn't know how to pay it. <laughs> Imagine the surprise of my father when he co-signed that I wasn't paying back this credit card. 10 is giving. 10 is saving. 80 is living. Trust me, I get this. Living within our means can be tough, especially as you and I look around and see what other people have and wanting it, desiring it, feel like we deserve it. It's not fair that they have it, and we don't. We walk through this. We've been walking through it all our lives. As far as this 80%, you want an eye-opener. For the next 30 days, track every penny that you spend. Every penny. You go to Donut Bank, track it. You go to the grocery store, track it. Even if you spend cash, save all your receipts and put them in a box, and then you get to the end of the 30 days and start walking through it and put them in categories, and you'll be like, oh, my word. I can't believe I spent that much money on blank. Maybe it was Donut Bank. Maybe you blew past your $5 gift card because you changed it up. Right? It's an eye-opener. We need to have a plan. And by having a plan, we build margin. And when we build margin in life, we can honor God with what he has given us. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as the haste leads to poverty. Now, you might not want to hear this, but I'll say this, We have already set those percentages in our lives. You are right now already living out your spending plan. You don't maybe not know what the numbers are, but you're living it. It may be 10, 10, 80. It may be 0, 0, 120. It may be 5, 10, and 85. I have no idea. But right now, you are already living it out. And if your spending plan, your percentages, doesn't honor God and prepare for the future and bless what you've been given, you need to make some adjustments. Not because Rich says so, because God says in his word. Living within our means is living a life of margin, protecting our future, and honoring God according to Scripture. Step number three. Praise God for what you have. Imagine that. Praise God for what you have. This last step takes us back to we started this morning. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Friends, a heart of praise and discontentment cannot coexist in the same person at the same time. It can't happen. We are either one or we're the other. We're either busy praising God for how much he has blessed us, or we're complaining to God for what he hasn't. And when we're praising God, we shut the door in the face to discontentment to God. Thank you, Jesus, for everything I have. Thank you for blessing my kids. Thank you for my home. Thank you for the food in my cupboards. Thank you, Jesus, for providing my car. Thank you for being able to put gas in it. Thank you for the food on the table. Thank you, thank you. When you're praising God, everything changes. We're not sitting around complaining that we should have had this new truck. I wish I had this new toy. I wish I had bigger speakers or bigger TV. I wish I had new clothes. Our perspective changes. We start living intentionally, missionally, but everything that God has blessed us, and we can start living lives like the psalmist when we sing in Psalm 13, verse 6, I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He's been good to me. What about uh, chapter 69, verse 30? I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. We just got done singing an amazing worship set Friday night. Uh, we had two over 250 people in the room singing praises to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we are praising him for all that he has given us on a daily basis, even the breath that we have and the food on our table and the car that we drive and all that kind of stuff, all that discontentment that wants to root in us because of what the world says you need to have and how you need to be goes right out the door. but it takes you and it takes me changing our perspective choosing to obey God with what he has given us how he has blessed us it's that simple the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing Imagine if that was the heartbeat of our lives. I lack nothing. In fact, I'm gonna ask us to do this one more time today. Actually, to stand, and we're gonna read this together. Let's hit it. The Lord. Again, the Lord. Again. One more time. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. He sees you, He knows you, He loves you, and He provides everything you need. I can't think of a better life. Trusting in Him with everything that I have, because I'm richly blessed. What about you? What about you? The Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you so much for Jesus. Father, thank you for being our our good shepherd. <laughs> thank you for dealing with some of us. Myself as front runner is a stupid sheep. Sometimes we don't make the best decisions. we know you are faithful we know that you're present and we know and trust that you provide everything everything that we need because in you we do lack nothing right now I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward and and maybe this is an area in your life that you are struggling with and you want prayer for. Maybe this is an area in life where you're, you've been walking through, you're trying to figure out what your next steps be. Come forward. Man, our, our prayer team would love to lift you to Jesus. The author and perfector of our faith. The good shepherd to lay down his life for his sheep. The one who has answers to your questions. Has hope for your hopelessness. Don't walk out those doors if you're struggling this morning. May it be finances or anything else, but come forward, let our prayer team lift you up. And maybe you're in this room and you've been hearing about this Jesus guy for a while, and now you've been talking about how he's ties in the money, and you're still like, okay, I need Jesus. Because the reality is, if, you're not, if you haven't surrendered your life, then he's not your shepherd. You need to give him your life. Surrender it all to him, and then he comes in and makes everything, everything different. Jesus changes everything. So if this morning you're here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, come forward and talk to our prayer team. They would love nothing more to walk you through surrendering your life to him and seeing you accept Jesus and go from death to life. It all starts with Jesus. It's always Jesus in the middle and it's Jesus at the end. Father, thank you for making it real. Thank you for making it raw through your word that we need to, it's so raw that we need to pay attention to. I pray that every day when our feet hit the ground this week that we will shout this out that you are a shepherd and we lack nothing. Fight against the cultural current. Change our perspective. Change how we live in a way that brings you honor, glory, and praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.